I want to talk about Big Randy's game for a minute. You know the little bump shots he hits from just off the green? That hybrid might seem like an obvious idea now. Who wouldn't want the best parts of a long iron and a fairway wood mixed together? But before the first hybrid clubs went on the market 20 years ago, somebody had to invent that. And that's what Cooper has done with its new Discoverer Rugged Trek truck tire. Combining the improved grip and aggressive look of an off-road tire with a smooth, quiet ride of a road tire. The Rugged Trek is a hybrid that gives you the best of both worlds. It's an invention so good that in another 20 years, it'll just seem so obvious. All Cooper tires are backed by a limited warranty, a 45-day test drive warranty, and select products are backed by Treadwear Mileage Warranty, helping to give you confidence on the road. For complete product and warranty details, please visit www.coopertires.com or www.coopertires.ca. And remember, go with the Coopers. So next up, we headed west uh, a couple hours towards Grand Rapids. Did a little divide and conquer. TC, DJ, and I went out to play Pilgrim's Run. The Strat Boys went to play Diamond Springs, and then we met uh, up in the evening and got nine holes in on the mines. We're going to go to Pilgrim's Run first. I promise Randy's going to get to break down some courses here on the back half. We, we saved him for the for the Boyne section for the most part. But I want you guys to check me if uh, DJ and, and Tron that were there on this day, check me if I get into any hyperbole uh, talking about this golf course. I walked off like wondering, like, all right, am I overreacting here? Like, am I am I losing my shit? Like, it, how or much like, I love this place? Or like, what am I missing? Right? Like, what, what, well, yeah, what's what's going on here, right? Because that is truly one of the I'm trying. I have not come up with a name of a course, a public non-resort course where I've had a better experience. Yeah, like bar none. We haven't even talked about the price yet, which the price is between forty-seven and seventy-one dollars to play this golf course that is immaculate, and I, I've. We're going to go through a lot of golf holes, and it is a par. And so it's this course opened in 1997, uh, Mike DeVries design, par 73, uh, laid out in this in a wooded area. And Doke wrote in the confidential guide to golf courses, uh, the program for this course sounds like a complete disaster, uh, where six of the developer's friends were entrusted to design three holes each uh, with the help of a young architect and superintendent to build them. It seems like DeVries and the architects had a little more leeway than uh, than, the, than the designers had laying it out. But Which a little bit of background on that. So it was the Van Campen Fund, I believe, out of Chicago. The guy had, had purchased the land and was kind of trying to do almost like a, a fun program for, I think, six of like his best employees. So imagine that your boss says, hey, I just bought this land. Uh, why don't you know you six are my brain trust? Why don't you each pick three holes and just go design them? And so guys were horse trading on... You know, oh, well, I don't want to have a par five and a par four and a par four. I want to have a par three or I want to have a three, a four and a five. And so just imagine how hard it is to design a golf course in general and imagine trying to do it like that and being someone like Mike DeVries, who is, you know, well-decorated shaper architect for, you know, a number of people leading up to his own solo design career, like inheriting all these plans and then making them into a cohesive, cogent uh, golf course. It, it's it's absolutely befuddling and shocking that it turned out as well as it possible as it did i mean it's it's tremendous it's truly not a it's not a walking course uh, yeah you i want to get two yeah. things out of the way and that my 
Two of my favorite things in golf are walkability and turf conditions. I love to walk. I love connected golf courses, and I love courses that play fast and firm. And this course had neither of those things, and I'm still about to just go absolutely apeshit about this golf course. It's the one I've thought the most about since we left, and the fa- again, the fact that it's maximum $71 just blew my fucking mind. I mean, the width is tremendous. It's carved out of a forest and trees, but every single hole, there's breathing room. If you are behind trees, it's probably because you took on risk and you probably deserve to be behind that tree. There is a safe route every single hole. The trees are set very well back from the conservative lines of play. Again, there's a couple holes, you know, where you might try to cut a corner or, you know, shape one around there and you know you're bringing on the risk, but it is truly your own prerogative if that's the case. And something I want to, I, I, something interesting I noted about the, all the DeVries courses we played on this trip. What I thought about the first hole fell in line almost perfectly with what I felt about the golf course at the end of the day. Like the, 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 the first holes uh, set the exact tone for what my overall takeaway of the golf course was. And the first hole, a brilliant par five. And now we're going to talk uh, a, a lot of DeVries here, but. The, these all of these holes being such great scene setters. This is a par five. It bends to the left. You're welcome to try to cut off as much as you want if you play over a left bunker. Uh, but this is going to bring that left tree line into play. If you don't, if you try that, if you don't cut the corner, there's a good chance you're going to run into the bunkers that protect the right. Uh, the fairway then snakes back to the left, and your path to the hole from the right side is like clear through a shoot of trees which just like blew my mind. Uh, but if you cut off, if you go hook it around the corner and cut it off, you actually have trees in your way and you'll have to draw and fade around them. Then you got to think about those trees on your layup. The third shot is interesting. The layup shot is interesting. The green is interesting when you get up there. The bunkering around it is interesting. The big dip, if you're trying to come in from the right side, is interesting. That like trying to like like take in that hole after the, you know just kind of rolling out of the car, I was just like, Holy shit, man. Like, what are we... It, honestly, I think we walked off that green and I just looked at, at DJ and Tron and I was like, you know what? Fuck Tory Pines. Like, <laughs> this is what this is what golf design looks like, okay? Like, that is so thoughtful, so interesting for all skill levels. Every shot that was involved in that, like, I just was like, you know what? We're not wrong about ripping on some certain golf courses that don't require strategy because this whole, like, started, defined it. We started playing the game, like, would you rather play here or... Yeah. We just started naming off like pretty elite private courses and like this and Pilgrims run one one out against very 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 many courses that you could that you could name. And I there think, was there was so much substance like five, you know par four five is just a you know regular par four but like ton of variety eight six is one we got to talk about 18 six 17 16 like there's just so many cool holes I thought one of the best holes we played on the entire trip was number 13. Oh god. Yeah. Or five, just one of the most handsome fall-offs on the screen and it was something that we saw with from DeVries over and over and over again and a lot of and it never got old. It was like almost Augusta-esque with the the way that uh you know these long broad slopes you know fall off off of a green. I think what what blew my mind about Pilgrim's Run was it, it felt like a course that I had been to a thousand times, and I remember a lot of these kind of from growing up. This is a very random poll, but I remember a place like Aldine Golf Club in Rockford, Illinois, just like these kind of like mid-tier, like semi-upscale public golf courses that are usually around 100 bucks, where you show up and it's like, all right, here's your range bucket 
uh, ticket that comes with your greens fee. Here's your hot dog package deal. You get this and this with your hot dog. And here's, you know, we have this kind of uh, membership for the season. If you want to buy, here's this package. And, you know, you, you just never see those golf courses being like exceptional architecture. Exceptional. <laughs> They're always just like immaculate. They always usually have super lush, really green greens, uh, but they just never seem to have really, really, really high end golf courses. And this totally did. It was, it was mind blowing how, how many boxes it checked. I, I know that some of this stuff doesn't translate, but I have still have several more holes. I need to need to break down the sixth hole. Uh, well, I, I try to find what it was. It was rated as one of the best holes in Michigan or, or something I like think the that. Best sixth hole in Michigan. Best sixth hole in Michigan. It, it won the, the composite. composite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tremendous par five, big downhill tee shot with it. And the hole just bends to the right, super wide fairway, but a center ish line bunker that actually protects like the right center of the fairway. Which, sure enough, you stand on that tee box. It is the exact line you want to take. And we had the wind in our face. And I was like, I tried to do a hero carry that bunker. Got eaten alive by it. It just, the hole, the, it was so well designed. I love being caught by a hole that I know what the challenge is. And they're asking the question. I try to take it on and I fail. That is the most enjoyable failing in golf. And awesome uphill shot to this green protected by bunkers. It's just a tremendous golf hole. And then TC mentioned the 13th. It is a mind-bending par five. I mean, the fairway pinches in and bends to the left, but it can'ts to the right. It kind of reminded me of the tee shot on number four at Pinehurst number two, where, you know, you want to kind of draw one to go against the slope that's banking from left to right. Uh, and if you want to get there in two, like it is going to require two great shots and, and the, the approach shot, everything's kind of banking from left to right. You can use a kicker left of the green. And then there's a fall off short right of that green with, with short grass. There's so many great fall offs around the greens with short grass, two center line bunkers that are actually way short of the green that kind of distract you from that shot. It was the most thrilling shot I can remember hitting in the trip was the approach shot into that green. And then I've never seen an 18th hole, a drivable 18th hole. Eh, that's not true. I've seen some drivable 18th holes, but uh, I don't see, don't see many stateside, right? North Barrick kind of comes to mind yeah. with an easy kind of drivable four. But this one, again, you can take on all the junk to the right. Like you will be lost ball if you miss this green to the right. But you can try to drive this green. There's a, uh, if you want to bail left, you are gonna, you're not even going to see the green surface from green side because the slope is so big next to it. Just incredible shot value from holes one through 18. I went through it last night without looking anything up. And I could vividly picture 17 of the 18 holes. I struggled with one hole in the back. I couldn't quite figure out which one was which. That is just such a mark of an incredible golf course. I skipped over like four other really standout holes just, just for the sake of time. And I, I, I don't think it's hyperbole to say like this is the model for public golf in America. And, you know, it's a bit out there. It's maybe 30 minutes from Grand Rapids. That's important, right? It's not engulfed by homes. It's not surrounded by homes. It's not likely. A lot of golf courses I grew up playing were, had homes around it. And the land just became too valuable to have golf on anymore. It became made more sense to sell it and build houses on it. I don't get the sense that's going to happen out in this forest. It's incredibly well managed. It's affordable for the users. And I do. I am sorry if this causes an influx of people playing there that uh, and ruining it. This like hidden gem for the people that do play it. But I can't stop thinking about it. The conditioning is perfect, and I'm I'm just smitten. Well, another thing that kind of made me laugh when we teed off the starter was like, hey, it's it's jammed out there, man. Like. You know, basically, like I think he saw the camera and was kind of like, you know, like keep up, like it's it's packed. We didn't see another fucking group the whole time we were out there, and a lot of that is like we were joking about this with Solly. Not joking. He's like, you know, like he's almost like looking around, like seeing if anybody could hear him before he says this. But he's like, you know, it's 
it's almost like Pine Valley. Like every hole is like totally <laughs> onto itself. Like you just you feel like you're completely alone out there, and you're just doing your own thing. It's it's really awesome. Well, and they were they're so on it with the, with all the with all the <laughs> maintenance, and like it's in such good shape. Like it's not firm. Like, hey, they've gotten so much rain and everything. It was it was relatively firm, but it's just not it's not a fast course, right? They were doing all sorts of uh, cleaning up the cart pass. They were edging, edging the, the cart, cart pass, pass, which is a good sign that you have your shit together. Yeah. If that's what you got the maintenance crew working Ken, on. Ken, the superintendent, and we talked to Jeff for a little bit, the uh, director of golf. He was fantastic. Just a well-oiled operation. The only hole I, I didn't really care for was number nine because I just felt like they had all this land to work with next to 18 there, and they picked this kind of nondescript. Yeah. I thought about nine also, but the green site was really cool. And like they had elevated that green just a little bit. Like I remember when we first showed up, like that's one of the first greens you see. And you're just like, oh, okay. That's what we're in for today. Like each, each green is thoughtfully designed. And that is just, and shout out to Andy Johnson, who's, you know, identified a lot of these courses around Grand Rapids and a big reason why we, you know, ended up there. But like this, if, if you're looking for publicly accessible, great architecture, Pilgrim's Run is quite is honestly coming like top of mind in my mind. Yeah. Which so. on these courses we're talking about, we'll talk about Diamond Springs next. You can play Diamond Springs, the Mines, Pilgrim's Run, three courses for like a hundred and fifty, a hundred and sixty dollars, like max. Yeah, and go and and fly direct into Grand Rapids or drive over from Chicago, downtown Grand Rapids. There's a great bar scene, restaurant scene, breweries, all that. Like what a like might be the ultimate. That's what Andy kept saying. Trip. Yeah, he's like, there. If you can find a better, better bang for your buck, more affordable buddies trip in America, like I, you know, I haven't seen it, and that's where it, it, it kind of, it's so cool because there's there's a lot of people obviously who listen to this podcast who who follow our stuff that you know know what Bandon's all about, know what Stream Song and Sand Valley, and they take the game very very seriously, and they love seeing those places, but. There's also a lot of people who don't take the game that seriously, right? Who just, you know, might be 20, 25 handicaps who just are getting into the game or just don't maybe understand what makes a great golf course a great golf course. And this is such a good way to go see it for, you know, less than $5,000 or whatever it's going to cost you to go to those other places. I, I, Tron and I grew up playing the Robert Trent Jones golf trail in Alabama, like going over there for tournaments. If anything from Taurus Sauce, I hope a Mike DeVries trail comes about yeah. because it was like this is a perfect example of a collection of the same architect and uh, you know i didn't play pilgrim's run but i feel like when we talk about diamond springs here it's going to be you know we might as well just copy and paste the conversation we just had i, I was I what was a like, transition i was gonna say that i was gonna say that i was gonna say that you know so yeah so randy and i went out and played diamond springs with andy johnson uh of the shotgun start and fried egg fame i would say that I enjoyed or improved my enjoyment of the round immensely um, just because uh, he wrote a really good piece on his website, which I'll draw from here in a second. But you He know, swings so hard. Well, just a great <laughs> – no, he's a great uh, you know, architectural mind. Watching him geek out on architecture, he and Randy debate the, uh, you know, the value of centerline ponds and centerline <laughs> trees was, was probably the highlight of my day. But from just specific to Diamond Springs, it's in Hamilton, Michigan. It's about 40 minutes outside of Grand Rapids. The other direction. The other direction. Uh, and a solid, it's a, it's a strong 40, not like a, you know, oh, if there's no traffic, it's, <laughs> you know, you're, you're out there in what feels like the middle of nowhere. And then you come upon this course and, you know, three words, value, 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 baby. $35 to play probably maybe gets up to, uh, you know, 50 or 60 at times. But I mean, truly like that's a, something I'd seek out for a hundred dollars 
Um, single cut everywhere. Yeah, so we'll get to that. But from Andy's piece on the fried egg, which I'd encourage people to read, it was built, founded in 2002 by a group of investors. They, hi- they hired a talented young architect, Mike DeVries, uh, gave him a nice piece of land and the task to build an affordable golf course. It's currently owned by Mike Schroten Bohr, I believe is how you pronounce it. He has owned it the last five, six years. We actually got a chance to talk to him. One thing I noticed there and at the mines, it felt like the owner is on site. He is involved. It felt like his place, and I love that, and, it, and that kind of shows through. And uh, there's a lot of pride in, like, the golf course. It's not owned by a massive corporation. It's not owned by an owner that lives five states away. It's just like, yo, this is, this is my – I bought this course. I thought it would, you know, be a good business, and I'm trying to make it work. And not to – yeah, not to get too heavy about it, but that felt like all of Grand Rapids, right, where yeah. it's just – and it feels like – you know, Sally, you mentioned it, but a lot of those, a lot of the courses, I know the course I grew up on, probably a lot of the courses you grew up on, like are a lot of those family owned golf courses that just don't exist anymore. Right. And like, that's such an essential part of kind of the golf landscape. And it just feels like some of the the middle of that landscape is being ripped out. And it feels like the, the bandons are getting a lot better and the Jack's beach munis are getting a lot better. If you have a municipality who's willing to invest in those sorts of things. But a lot of that middle ground just really seems like it's being ripped out and golf doesn't make sense as a business Yeah, for a lot of those families anymore. And it was really awesome and unique and uh, almost like, I, I don't know, almost like nostalgic, I guess, to, to kind of see Grand Rapids be a place where that was absolutely thriving. Well, you ca- I mean, we kind of, I don't know when I came to this realization or even if you guys would agree with it, but it, it seems like for public golf, it either requires a really well-run muni which are few and far between. We're fortunate enough to have one here close by, but it's either that or like somebody who is just willing to take a bath on a golf course. Yeah. Like on um, just, it's not going to be, it's not a great business. It's not profit. If you are, if you are looking for a well-maintained affordable golf course, like whoever owns that golf course is probably not making money off that. If they, if they are, they are churning out so many people on it that the, the experience is not going to be right. very good. Especially when it's a season like Michigan. Yeah. yeah. That's the craziest part that this exists in Grand Rapids. The one thing, if it was a, year-long season down here in Florida or right. Arizona or somewhere, but you're talking about a seven-month season. Well, I think there's some stuff to glean, though. Like, I have uh, three things, like, what did I like? I tried to sum it up. And the first is, one is maintenance, right? So this is, again, from Andy's piece, but it kind of summed up how I was feeling is, quote, 95% of public golf courses should take a closer look at Diamond Springs maintenance practices. It employs a single-cut height of grass across the property and native grass to contrast it. Um, which I thought was awesome. The course plays pretty wide. And then the heather is, it's not really watered, but so it's not very thick. And Randy and I were talking about this out there. If you hit it in the heather, it is a penalty, but it's not a lost ball. And I just wish that more courses. That's like, I the wish, best. I wish Michigan played a little bit like that. The uh, U of M course, it was like, if you hit it in the heather, you're you're boned, <laughs> right? And so, but if you hit it in the heather here, you still have a shot, but you, it's going to affect a lot, of, it's a lot of variables. It's And I feel that way at Pinehurst number two. Where if you hit it in the native area, it's like, oh, you might have a look, but it's you're going to be thinking about your lie. and You don't want to be there. You don't want to be there, period. So I loved that, and, and I loved thinking about that as like, man, oh, just, this is just a perfect um, straw man for golf around the country. Like, make it make it easy on yourself, guys. Like, just sing, everything was just the same length until you, you know, were in the, in the shit, basically. The routing was another thing I loved. I felt like... It weaved in and out, but I never had a question of where the next hole was, which I hate when I'm on a course and it's like, which direction am I going? Every hole, as Solly said, felt like its own environment, but there was always a peak at the next hole, either through like a, you know, a stand of trees where you're like, and, and it just had my like 
synapses firing, like curiosity, like, oh man, what's what's next, right? And then you would go through these trees and almost like going through the wardrobe and C.S. Lewis book, like, oh my God, I'm in a whole different place now. <laughs> and so like every hole is like its own environment, but you're still getting a peek at what's coming. Uh, so that felt like in a way, abandoned trails, you're on a walk in the woods, but the path is very, very well designed, very marked. So you're not going to get lost, which I really, really liked. Uh, and then just strategic. So this is going to be a little bit of echoing what Sally said. One thing that stuck out to me, Sally, was I feel the same way after a uh, trip where we played 10 plus courses. I remember every hole like yeah. with ease. It was like, oh yeah, that's, that's number four. That's number five. And that to me is like the, you know, one or zero test of a good golf course of, and, and, and one thing that he was doing out there that I loved that I wish more public golf courses would do is he was having one or two big features on each hole that were dictating the strategy. Mm. And some of them were really simple, like a, like a hogs, like a speed bump mound that bisected the fairway. I don't understand why more munis don't have just not a bunch of mounding. Like we'll get to the loop. I think that is sometimes overdone. Oh, we'll get to the loop. Baby. But one big like mound where it's kind of like on a diagonal where like, oh, I need to be on this side or that side of it. And then that's dictating what my next shot's going to do. Uh, there was a big ravine, Bronson Arroyo, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, Barranca that, that was the feature of the course that the course kind of routed around. I love it when a feature like that pops up multiple times during a round, but not like all in the same spot. So you saw it early on the first hole, then you saw the ninth hole, then you saw it on the 15th hole. So it was really, really, really clever the way they used that uh, ravine. Usually I let these things go, but can you help me out with Bronson Arroyo there? Arroyo is an like Arroyo. A, an okay. Arroyo. Like a small Ge canyon. Geographic feature. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So that's a geographic Mainly feature. Like I, called it, I called it a Bronson Arroyo. Arroyo. Okay. Uh, <laughs> It just hit very close to home with being a Reds fan. It's, it's the Bronson. Well, like, like I would like I look forward to. I plan to go back a, to Grand Rapids next summer at some point because I, I like I, I didn't get to play Diamond Springs. I want to go play Diamond Springs, and then I think that brings us to our next one, the Mines. Well, well no, hold on, oh, hold sorry, on. So Randy. I'm, and I have a few more things I'd like to say <laughs> oh as well. I, I have not seated the mic. I will, Randy. I would like to. Uh, to uh, ask you, how did you feel about Diamond Springs? Yeah, it was great. I, I think you did a great job breaking down what what made it great. I guess where I wanted to ask you, Neil, was talking about a few of our favorite holes. I think they're tough competition to pick just one. I'm guessing you would pick the 15th, the short par four. But before we get there, I just wanted to mention uh, the fifth hole is probably the wackiest, wildest green that we played on the trip, I think. Uh, it's a par three. Decent length. Uh, we played it, I think, around 180 to 190, and it's like a, a Redan into a Beeritz. So it's got this, like, I guess a reverse Redan. It's got this, like, build-up left side that can kick the ball down into this long green that has a, a swale in the middle of it. That that tickled my fancy there, Neil. So I wanted to shout that one out. And then I really like the 11th, the par 5, with the centerline trees. I was shocked that... You know, I, I think a lot of the customers aren't necessarily fans of the centerline trees. I truly don't understand that. I, I think a good centerline tree is one of the more interesting features that a hole can have because it, it just tests you in a multitude of ways, right? Both left, right, up, down. It forces you to, to really pick a shot, pick a route, but it also gives you a lot of creativity and flexibility in which to, to navigate. And I thought so, the, that hole was fair too. Like it was wide enough. There wasn't a ton of trouble by the green, but I also love it when a hazard comes into play on both. It's it's on your mind on the drive and on the second shot because if you're 
if they're in the way, then you're thinking about it on the next shot. So I agree with you. 11 was great. You nailed it. And when it's asking a clear question, like when you know exactly what you need to do. And I heard there was a centerline pond out there too. Number six. Blind centerline pond. Mm. I would have liked it to be a little bit more blind. Uh, (laughs) They had some stakes up around it, so it kind of gave it away as uh, a water feature. But, yeah, the the centerline pond is provocative. (laughs) Neil and Andy, you know, the architect wasn't asking them the question. He was only asking me the specific question. Uh, Those guys flew it way past the centerline pond, but I had to navigate it. I played a little little squirter, kept it right, and it was fun. I got a big thrill out of it. Yeah. Um, not as surprised to learn that people don't like that feature, though. <laughs> I think the uh, the back-to-back, the 15th uh, hole and the 16th hole were probably two of my favorite on the trip. Uh, the 15th is a reachable par four. Um, I think Andy also sums it up well in his piece. One of the most dramatic short par fours in golf. The 15th fits the land beautifully. Uh, to describe it, it's the ravine that I mentioned earlier is uh, squarely in your view, and it's all the way up the right side. The green sits perched above it. On the tee, it looks like you have this very skinny landing area, and, and the ideal layup is right next to the hazard. What you don't see, especially on your first time playing it, is that there's about 50 yards left down this hill where you can lay up to, which is a very easy layup. Now, if you hit it there, you're going to be approaching the green from a pretty much blind or semi-blind wedge shot into a, a pretty, you know, from that angle, skinny green. So it's not a guaranteed par. It's not obvious to lay up. And then what else Mike does is there's, it, it, he introduces doubt on the tee where the full carry to the green is about 300 yards, but then there's like a 250, like the fairway wraps around and you, you start to, I don't know, bargain with yourself. Oh, well, you know, if I take this line, I only have to carry it 250, 260. That layup looks really shitty. I don't want to do that, you know. And so it just it, – there's a ton of options off the tee that that I just think introduce like a, um, a very stimulating conversation with yourself, uh, which is awesome. The 16th hole is a short par five. Uh, On site, Andy and I nicknamed it the credit card hole, uh, where you're just putting off – you're putting off the the trouble. You can put it off all the way down the hole. So the, the ravine is all the way down the right, and you can just there's miles of room left, both on the drive and on the second shot, and you can just keep hanging up the left. It's a short par five. So but eventually, but eventually, which is what happened to me, I had a you know six six or seven iron on my second shot, but it's a very skinny green that's perched up on the ravine, and it's like oh I just missed left. You're so I missed minimum, left minimum pavements, and then you have a, a chip to a a very skinny green from that angle with just the ravine just waiting for you behind. So it's like, hey, I've been making these minimum payments on this credit card. All of a sudden, sudden, the interest rate's up to 40%, and they've sent me to collections, and I got to make this big-ass shot here coming down the stretch. And I thought that was really, really good design, just lulling you into, yeah, man, you know, just, yeah, minimum payment's totally fine. Yeah, we'll take that. And then just later on, boom, they're going to drop the APR hammer on you. bomb. Yeah. So, so, so I think the loop was brought to you by MasterCard as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I got a real Cap- kick out of that Capital hole. One. Loop. So uh, I think, you know, and I've thought about this as a provocative statement, but I would say Diamond Springs, we'll talk about Kingsley. I loved it. I think Diamond Springs might have been my favorite course of the trip. I really do. I just had so much fun. It was just really fun, thoughtful golf, and it just felt like this is – sustainable we can do it, it, it there wasn't a lot of the guilt factor that sometimes i feel playing golf like oh this place is it takes so much money it's private like sometimes you're like man i you know this isn't this isn't the way it should be that diamond springs is how it should be so 
What a ringing endorsement. Hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. And like, I'll make the minds quick because I think not to shortchange it, but it's just, it's the same themes again. Yeah. It, but even in a different sense. So we, we went out, we played Twilight on uh, the back nine, and Andy was raving about the first four holes. The place was slammed, like legitimately. We did it like 640. Not a, not yeah. a spot in the parking lot. There, there weren't any carts left. Like, yeah, I think was, a big reason for that, too, is it, it almost feels like it's in downtown Grand Rapids, it's right? Like it's four five, minutes from Four or five minutes from downtown. It's it's an absolute like roller coaster golf course. I mean, outrageous, well, outrageous land. So I think that's the thing. It's on the It's on the the side of an old gypsum mine, the front nine and back nine kind of plays over a road and then under some power lines. And it's, it's definitely a, an interesting piece of property. There's a lot of severity in certain spots as far as holes to call out. Like, and it's, again, it's like independently owned. Yeah. New, new ownership looking to just, you know, same kind of thing, just looking to make a, a very honest go of uh, a family owned golf course. It's like it's awesome. 30 to $60. We played the alternate tee on 11, which that's a theme that, we saw again at Kingsley later on that we'll talk about a little bit more. It's par three. 13, 14, 15, and 17 are like absolutely bananas. Like three of the last six holes, or I think three of the last five holes out there, 468-yard par four, 475-yard par four, 468-yard par four. A lot of golf with, course. With wild, <laughs> wild undulations and slopes. Like there was there was stuff out there that I saw at, at like Crystal Downs and at, and at Gray Walls and and – I think that's the thing with DeVries is like you see the guy grew up playing, like working at and playing Crystal Downs. And that was kind of his introduction to golf. And you see those themes so inherent everywhere else and really uh, the uh, university course as well. Like you see those themes presenting themselves like the horseshoe green is the same thing. They've got it on number six or on number uh, seven at Crystal Downs, you know. (laughs) DeVries decidedly not Mumford and Sons. No, yeah. <laughs> I, it's interesting you said that because one, I had a, uh, something for, maybe more, more for DJ, but Diamond Springs, and it sounds like maybe Pilgrim's Run. It was a band. I would say Weezer. On its face, it looks like very I, simple, simple music, but yeah. then the, the deeper you get into it, it's like you, there's what, some yeah, good why don't you, stuff going on here. Why don't you go try and write a real simple yeah. song? It's not as easy as you think. So, try. Man. Yeah. Why don't you try it? Yeah. You know, with with a few like one or two hooks, really simple song yeah. structure. Let's see how easy it is for you to make that interesting over and over and over again. <laughs> exactly. That you can't do it. Totally. So, so I, I think biggest thing with the minds is it's a lot more turned up than. Pilgrim's Run. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's like it's they're Mike's ratitude. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a in a super cool way. You could play it short if you want to, and you could you can ease off and you're gonna have just as good of a time. But man, it's like there's just some really provocative shit out there, like well, you said, right? I here. think it speaks to Mike kept saying this over and over, but you know, he, he kept calling himself a reactionary architect, right? Where he, he's reacting to whatever the land is, which I think is, you know, another way of saying minimalist and it's something you, you hear from quite a few different architects, but just seeing the way he treated, uh, it, it wasn't him imposing his will on any of these pieces of land, right? It wasn't, it wasn't him showing up and saying like, yeah, yeah no, I'm going to totally be minimalist, but like, let's, well, well, let's take that hill out or let's blow out a big hole over there or, or whatever. It was truly just like, Hey man, here's what the land has given us. And yeah, the mines is going to be pretty fucking severe because that's what the land is. And it was just really cool to see that restraint and see him, uh, you know, we saw a bunch of different Mike DeVries golf courses, and I think they all felt very different because they were all on very different pieces of land. So that's a which, credit to Mike. It's which, really to clarify, cool. that's what I meant by yes. not being uh, Mumford & Sons. Exactly. Like, you don't know what you're getting when right. you step on a – if you go into a DeVries course blind, 
It's not like you're getting something textbook. It's, yeah. it, it, you know, his style is, we saw many different styles from him just uh, on the, on this trip. But. Yeah. And then I think going, like just moving ahead, we, we drank some great beer in Grand Rapids. Um, for the itinerary crowd, DJ and I, we skipped uh, American Dunes, the uh, Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas tribute course. Tribute course <laughs> that, you know, he's supposed to be giving a tribute to the military, but he's actually giving a tribute to Jack Nicholas on every single hole. Um, which, you know, just fascinating stuff from Jack there. And then after this one, we ripped across face and, and got up north. Into Ross Common. Which now we enter the, I think it's, it's safe to call this the big Randy leg uh, of the trip. Um, pa- impassioned, impassioned, uh, f- the loop fan, which we'll get to. Uh, but first, Randy, why don't you take us to, to Forest Dunes? 